Hello, everyone, and welcome to Griplock Foundation Disc Golf Weekly Podcast. I'm Hunter, joined as always by Trevor. No Connor for this episode. He's working on a few edits because we're going to Charleston next week. Trying to get ahead so that when we're down there, we don't have to really work that much. I even just film videos. Super excited for that. But first, between now and us going to Charleston, we have Idlewild. Idlewild. One of my favorite tournaments of the year. Which is the LWS Open. Today. Yeah, the LWS Open it is, at Idlewild. Isn't that weird, though? Like, I mean, it was. It used to be the Idlewild Open. It was Open. the Idlewild Open, but like other events, I feel like we adapt to the new names like pretty quickly. Like, for instance, DDO, which was like GBO, was GBO for the longest for a long time. time. But. Like this one, everybody calls it Idlewild. And like, I feel bad for the LWS. Let's make a stand for LWS. Yeah, I'm trying to think the uh, other one was like Vibram Open. Yeah. We call it, yeah, we call it MVP now. We call it the MVP, yeah. Yeah, Maple Hill. It was like Maple Hill Open, Vibram Open. On this podcast, we make a stand for LWS. LWS. Because it wasn't cheap, I'm sure. LWS Open at Idlewild. It's the Idlewild Open. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The course has always been a. The course is what makes it. Uh, this court, this tournament. Yeah, it's been an iconic course for quite a while now. It's pure evil. Um, it's beautiful. It's a very tough course. One of my favorites on tour. And there were some big changes made this year. Um, um, yeah, yeah. Two new holes and then another change. Yeah, yeah. I have four four big changes made. One thing we've seen in the recent years. I think this wasn't a change made last year. I think it was made previously. Was they did add OB on the right of hole one. Um, yeah. it's tough on, on, I didn't really see a flyover or anything. I just saw the caddy book. So it's tough to know how far right it yeah. comes if that changed at all from last year. But it's something that it just gets in players heads a little bit when you're going for it on one where, you know, you can't tough turn get. it over as much before with that not being really OB or the OB not being as much at play. You just crank over and you miss right. You I, miss right. I love a whole one. There seems like there's actually quite a few of them on the pro tour, but excuse me. I love a whole one where it's a very easy par. Yeah, but you get it. You have a decision to make right off the gate. Like, do I come out? Do, do I come out swinging? Like, yeah. Do I come out swinging? Like, I'm gonna go ahead and and just take advantage here, or do you just kind of simmer down and play safe? Yeah. I, I love that. Uh, so hole two is playing the exact same. Hole three is the first big change we see this year. Uh, it, it's in the same field. I think they're actually throwing from like the same tee pad. Yeah, it looks but like of going, it. What used to be that like par three down the hill, kind of across a little ravine. That's like your landing area now, basically. Yeah, now you're going up the hill to the right. Um, and it's a basket I'm pretty sure it was always there. Mm. Because I'm pretty sure when you pulled into the property, I used to always see that basket. And they always said it was like a part of a different course on the property. Oh, okay. Um, so it kind of is just like this dogleg right, par four, there's a mando. There's, yeah, there's, the mando at the corner, I think, is what is the most interesting. Because obviously, like we can look at the hole from last year, but yeah. you can't see it all put together yet this year. But I think that'll be what makes the hole the most difficult because without the Mando, it seems like it might not be a super difficult get. Yeah. But with that, it, it means that it takes like the roller play, which is risky. Is a lot it's riskier. still there though. Yeah. Um, and then from, from hole three, so that's a new par four. Uh, realistically, Trevor kind of said it, it might actually end up making the course play a stroke to par easier. I feel like because it, 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 that seems was a like tough a, it seems like an easier birdie than the downhill part three. That was a very tough get. Um, but then hole four is a completely new hole across the road for you, some new water hazard. Uh, basically, just looks like a layup, layup, par four. Um, it, I watched Brody's like uh, practice round, and I couldn't tell if the gap they were having to hit on their second shot was because they were out of position or if it's just that tight. Mm. But the second shot, if you're, you, let, you go across the water and the second shot to the green, looked to be really tight. Yeah. Um, so another new par four for hole four. And then hole five is the old hole four. Uh, hole six is the old hole five, that like downhill roller. And the old hole six appears to be gone. It's gone. So then which is that one out the gap, 
Kevin Jones hit that putt. The Pro Tour recently posted it from like the drainage pipe. Yeah. Um, that hole's gone, so then hole seven picks up kind of where it was. Only other difference I noticed, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, was hole 13's. Yeah. Um, seems like they moved the basket across the creek. It's Yeah, it's no longer to the left of the creek. 13's th- the uh, Y tree hole for those yes. listening. I think that that green, they use those carpeted, like very small greens a lot. It's kind of a signature thing, and I'm fine with that. But 13's was the most criminal where it was like so small. But No, but the... There was a, there was safety behind, le- behind it. it. Behind it was safe. It's but the green I'm, was just small. I'm guessing that's the only reason they changed it, though, is they just didn't like that green because they moved it. It's still on the right side, so all of the left Your is drive is essentially the same. Yeah, and then it's further And then now. it just goes It's farther. like another 100 feet or so. Yeah, so basically you just never... When you cross the creek off the tee, and you never come like back. Feet across further. the creek essentially yeah so you still go through the y tree and then um you go through the y tree and then you just kind of stay on the right side of the creek so it seems like it's gonna be a backhand hyzer forehand hyzer it's kind of what it looks like now but uh yeah so that, those are kind of the big changes um and they're all relatively big changes uh so i think that the course i do think it's safe to say the course like to par should play pretty much the same like it's not it's not gonna be drastic i'd say pretty close because yeah. i would say hole four that seems like it's a similar birdie rate as hole six that they took out, and hole three might play a stroke, maybe half a stroke easier. Yeah. So I think overall the course will play, like Trevor said, just about the same. Essentially the same. Um, some storylines going into this event, some things to keep an eye out for. First one we talked about quite a bit on debate night. We actually had the founder, or not the founder, I think he's the CEO of this on debate night. He kind of popped into um, our Discord. But it's going to be the first event to be broadcast into the metaverse on for Sunday. They already did the like press conference. I didn't get to hop into that. I wanted to, but I didn't. Uh, Sunday's final round is going to be in the metaverse on through Kingdom is so who's wh- providing it. So where do you go in the metaverse to watch it? So the, you don't actually like, basically you go through Kingdom and they have like an access code that gets you into their lounge. So you go to a lounge in the metaverse and then what? No, so you, you, you sign in through Kingdom. You never... You're never in the metaverse. No, it's just like the metaverse is... A VR world, from what I understand. Yeah, but you don't actually like. I think I think any VR world in is the metaverse. So that's just the, they're using the broad term metaverse. Exactly. Like you're going to go into a separate thing on your VR headset. Yes. That is essentially a metaverse style lounge. Exactly. That's how. Yeah. But basically, is this weekend going to be anything revolutionary for VR people? Absolutely not. No. Because what you're Same basically going to gonna be able to look around and see people. You're in a lounge now. One thing that was cool. And then it's on a screen. That they said, yeah. So essentially, you're watching on a wanna, 2D screen. I, mean, I want to do it. The one thing that was cool that they said is, you could set up like private rooms. So if me, you, Connor, Silas, Brody all had VR headsets, that'd be fun. And we were all at a different place, like we weren't all here, or even we're just at home. We could all go into a VR room. Yeah. So we could watch and talk amongst each other. If anybody gets like a sick VR room for this, if anybody does it and gets a really good room, you need to screen grab it so we can see what it was like. Well, I'm probably going to try to hop in on Sunday because we're Disc right, Golf so Network. In, if you have a good room, invite Hunter. Disc Golf Network subscribers get in free because if you're in the public one, which is where I'm going to try to be on Sunday, I feel like it's going to be very annoying if I'm being straight up because you're going to have, let's say, 20, 25 people. I don't expect this to be something where like there's hundreds of people in there. Well,. It could be really funny if you get if the right well, characters you, get in there. You're gonna have the issue is you're gonna have it's like you're in a movie theater. So yeah. the speakers are gonna be playing, commentary's gonna be playing, and then like me and you, like we're just be talking. I love that. If it could be chaotic. It could be it could be the perfect amount of like funny chaos if there's just people yelling out random stuff. It's not everybody's cup of tea. No, well if you're trying to watch disc golf, you're probably not gonna it, like it. It could be chaotic. Like I think it'd be funny just to see like what characters show up. Yeah, in the, I'm in the gonna metaverse. I'm gonna try to hop in just for a little bit and see how much I can handle. 
But I do think that like it's a cool idea. From what I understand, the kingdom makes most of their money from it because they they sell like an NFT that gives people who own that NFT like a season ticket essentially yeah. to all the things they provide. So from what I understand, it was just kind of like offered to the Pro Tour. The Pro Tour isn't really having to do much. Kingdom yeah, it's kind of just, just like, like a sure. here you go. Yeah. So I think the way the Pro Tour kind of came out with it made it seem um, a little bit more, not like a bigger thing, but like a bigger deal, if that makes sense, to where it got a negative reception for really yeah. no reason. Yeah, no, it's not like people, well, it's because people just like started tossing in their opinions on NFTs and it's like, it's not really. Related. Well, you don't have to buy an NFT to watch. Yeah. You can it, pay two bucks and the $2 goes straight to Uplay um, if you want to watch it on Sunday or if you're a Disc Golf Network subscriber, you get it for the free. The thing about the um, like VR sports watching is it is going to be big in the future because yeah. there's already, it's already being flirted with, I believe it's the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, the Netiverse. That are doing, yeah, that are doing it to where it's an animated version of what is happening on the court and then you are, you can watch it like, you can watch it from like any perspective. So you like, can even watch like through the eyes of the player exactly. playing. Exactly. So if, if they, if it gets to a point where, where that really advances. And well, it, I was telling Brody, I was like, what I could see the development of this is like, the Pro Tour should never pour money into this, period. No, no. Just but let it if develop this Kingdom it wants to develop it farther, I could see it being kind of cool. Obviously, it's much more, it would take much more effort and stuff than what I'm about to say. But essentially, if the caddies on the first three cards all had like 360 cameras on their chest. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. You're like, so you're, you just right have caddy it. cam and you have 12 players to pick from. Yeah. And then you also cool. have the live coverage. So yeah. you can watch live coverage or I can go to like Paul, Ricky, Dickerson, it would be, whoever, like you have caddy cams and you can just like yeah. switch from person. So then like, you could see their lines. Oh, like, you know, they have a relatively easy up and down, but Paul's over here in the woods looking at something. Let me switch to Paul's caddy cam. Yeah. And you're like looking from like behind Paul and you can like look around like you're, you're like you're his caddy. That would be very cool. And you could hear the caddy talk between them, like it picks up the mic from that. I think there's a lot of cool stuff that could come from it. Yeah. But right now, it, Idlewild, I feel like it's not, it's not going to be like, yeah, I mean, special. in the, in very mainstream sports, it's still experimental. So like it's going to take a very long time yeah. to make it to disc golf. But I think there is a future for like watching sports that way. I mean, if I could be like, you know, on the 50 yard line at the Super Bowl because of the metaverse, like that could be cool. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we'll yeah. see. Um, Obviously, that's one cool storyline, but the biggest storyline I think of this weekend is the return of Chris Dickerson. Finally. Finally. He's back. And you know what? There's a lot of pressure on him when it comes to our power rankings. He's been gone for so long right. that if he comes out here and he poops the bed, I'm willing to... He could get wiped I'm bad. willing to drop him. I'm willing to like have this way heavily because he been, hasn't been here for so long. Right. He's like, been building animosity in our hearts. and So, he hasn't been present for a long time. Do I think he has potential to do very well out here? Obviously, yes. This is a course I think Chris Dickerson could come out and absolutely demolish everyone and yeah. be like, yep, okay, we were right. Chris I Dickerson mean, is the best player in the world. He, the thing, the bottom line is he hasn't not been playing disc golf. No. So like, it's not like he took it's like, not, golf yeah, It's not it's like he's going to be rusty. It's just a matter of, and Chris Dickerson is typically not a super phased guy when it comes to the tour. He's a yeah. consistent performer. So I fully expect to see Chris Dickerson as we've seen him previously this year yeah so if he comes out and you know he's in the top three then because this is also like yeah. he takes these breaks he's done this before yeah. so like it's not, not we just him. wanted to see him more but uh yeah. last year was a fascinating event kyle klein andrew marwee went to a playoff um yeah very kyle simple. klein ended up winning the idlewild does seem to have that uh it's weird because when I, i've played this course i've watched it played a ton it never feels like it's a forehand 
dominant course, but forehand players do so well out here. There are just enough. There are just enough drives on that course. I think it's because some of the most important drives on the course are forehands. Mm. There's that turnover one off the tee on the par five. Like that's a ton of a tough shot. There's a couple kind of tunnel placement. Hole two is two good forehand shots. There, there's just enough important. Like 17 is a forehand onto that island now. Well, it's kind of an island, not really. Yeah, well, you can't river. go backhand. You can, but like it's a pretty popular forehand. And like there are just enough important shots on that course that play forehand now that it, it played advantage last year. Um, I, my opinion is, I mean, this course is, it looks very fun, but it's straight out of my nightmares. Like it, it looks like it would eat me alive. We've got to do a boogie road battle out there. Are we yeah. planning on doing one? We are. We are. Yes. Yeah. We I will, love, we are going. I played a pro tour out here. Uh, you know, it could have been someone I tore. I like messed up my knee. Uh, I was in, I was in contention too. It was mm. crazy. Um, don't go check that. But, uh, no, I really did play a pro tour out here. And so I played like practice rounds alongside Paul and Nick Carl and stuff like that. And a few other guys. And so I got to see how like Paul attacked the course, how someone slightly better than me, Nick attacked the course. And then like, how the heck am I about to attack this course? I chose to try to attack it like Paul it didn't go well, mm. uh, but very fun courses. Every shot you have to think through. It's one yeah. of those that like you, you can't take a break on any shot. I think up shots, drives, anything, but the forehand, cause like Andrew Marweed forehand guy, um, wow. Who was the next Sarah Hokum yeah. always a sneaky well out here. Forehands. I also think with the forehands too, because it is such a get off the tee course. Yeah, forehand players because you're staring at your line the whole time. It's it's the forehand is always a pretty hit your line play. Yeah, so I think that's what it was just so weird watching too. it. I think you're right because I think it's not necessarily a forehand course. It's just it's a get off the tee get off the tee course exactly. Yeah, because playing the course like I. I didn't really choose many forehands. If you, because if and you, I have like I, I'm not good at forehand or backhand, but I'm I'm competent at both. So if if a hole's an obvious forehand, I throw the forehand. Yeah, sure. I there wasn't many. I think it's just it, like I said, it's it's just a get off the tee course because if you do get your first drive placed, uh, there are some tough greens, but like you're not going to blow up. But I think you, it's also the approaches too. Yeah, but yeah, but it, at, that, at that point when you're approaching, like you might take a bogey instead of a birdie. But like when you hit an early tree, yeah, which right. can happen everywhere, that's where you blow up, and it can happen. Like there is very few holes where it's just like a stress free tee shot. There are so many early trees and early gaps. Um, it's fair. Where, where it's cut out, it seems to be fair, but it still does. There are a lot of holes that have that, you know, pick your line kind of feel to it where there's enough options to make it reasonable. But like, depending on where you are, you're going to take a custom line on yeah. a lot of those par fours uh, that kind of dive into the woods and you have all those little thin trees poking up everywhere. Uh, and yeah, with the greens and the, and the creeks running throughout, it is... It is a blow-up course, not over till it's over type course. Uh, I'm really excited to watch it because uh, I expect it, it. It's going to be just you know what kind of what players just have in their week really. Yeah. Uh, because you just have to be on for yeah. three days in a row. And there's also a notable there's some notable players missing this weekend. I think mainly because we're about to go into the Europe swing. The Sula opens next weekend. Okay. Uh, and then the European Open is the weekend after that. Yep. Um. Two notable names, really, for this event. Uh, I saw Kevin Jones and Calvin Heimberg. Kevin Jones, I know, is in Europe. Calvin, I'm assuming, is. Yeah. Um, Which, he's registered. Calvin's registered for the Sula Open, but he's got nothing going on this weekend. Yeah. So I'm like, more than likely, if he was in the States, he's going to be at Idlewild. Uh, both those players could be doing it. Also, Sarah Hokum, I noted, was not going to be at this event. Mm. Kevin Jones played really well here last year. He's done good here before. Yeah, I think 
He plays those grenades. Has he won here? No. No. He's come close several mm. times. I'm fact checking it. Was that his first win? I was going to say, for some reason, I feel sneaky. I think he lost it in, I, I think he came in second, and it was very close. Okay. Yeah. But I think I'm going right. to fact it. Yeah, I'm going to fact check that it. one. Because that's something that's interesting. He, but he does do, he has historically done well here. Yeah. There are a lot of like sneaky, like over the top grenade type throws he does at this course. Um, it's interesting to see that players are just ditching for Europe already. Uh, I don't know. I he just, did win out of wild. He did. That in 2019. First, that was his first big 2019. Win. You know, he's only ever won an A tier, technically, because his pro tour wins have all been A tiers because he hasn't won one since they turned to Elite Series. Hmm. That's well, something. That's a fun. There's probably weird multiple fact. players like that. I'm sure because like he won. Uh, so he's won Idlewild, Mid America, which is Silver Series, Green won. Mountain, and the Pro Tour Championship, and they were all A tiers when they happened. Dang. So very interesting stat there. But <laughs> feels bad. Regardless, Kevin Jones missing. He's definitely someone who could do very well out here. And then Calvin Heimberg missing. Also another player that could do very very well out here. Uh, and I think one storyline on the FPO, other than we mentioned Sarah Hocum's not going to be there, but one big storyline on the FPO is that Paige Pierce, can she back, bounce back after USWDGC? Yeah. Not the performance you expect out of her at USWDGC. This is a course that, like, if Paige is on, it's going to play very well to her. She won this last year, not in a dominant fashion. I think it was three strokes. Um, but, like, this is a course that distance is going to help you out if you can get down the fairway. Yeah. But last week it was literally just get a disc in the fairway and That's she struggled. What I'm saying the page that I see these days is not a player who thrives at a course like this because so many touching lines, there's OB involved. So to me, I'm not I'm not gonna favor her highly. Obviously, you have to give her some bonus points because she won last year, but I'm not this is not a like it's not definitely not a done deal by any means. Um I just haven't seen enough consistency out of her. And like this, the whole, this whole event is basically about consistency. I expect the FPO field in particular to just be a crazy up and down. Yeah. I expect to see scores just fluctuating a ton over the three rounds. Yeah. Well, overall, I think that this, this weekend's tournament is, is going to be unexpected. Yeah. I don't think there's really much you can predict about Idlewild because it's so unpredictable for lack of a better term. Just yeah. Like you're saying, you know, there's just so many things that can possibly go wrong. And that's what I love about a course like this is every single hole could have a big swing. Oh, yeah. Every single one. Yeah. One Hole one is about the only one, but you could still have someone two it and you could have someone five it. So yeah. even hole one, you'd have a three-stroke There's three the open swing. par five on the back, but even that one. Uh, was last year, the, could, was last year the year Paul lost it on 17? I think so. Because like even, even when you're coming down to 17, 18. Oh, yeah, no. It, it, it I so, mean, there, you're... No lead is safe out there's there. There's two shot swings everywhere. Yeah, yeah, so you can go into a final round, five, six strokes, and it's not enough. Wild, wild stuff. So very excited for Idlewild. My keys to victory for this weekend before we get into some predictions. Like I said, we're going to try to predict the unpredictable. But keys to victory, first and foremost, very obvious one here, I think. Stay on the fairway. Um, fairway hits percentage is going to be important here because, you know, obviously putting and all of that, that is important. But on a course like this, getting off the tee is crucial. So you have to get off the tee, and you have to be hitting your fairways. Paul, Paul did not lose it on 17 last year. Well, so um, it's a few years ago. He just went par, par, par down the stretch and lost by three. So oh, okay. But he, yeah, just kind of went quiet. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, so it must have been two years ago. Staying on the fairway, though, that's crucial uh, for this weekend's tournament. Hey, Connor. Yeah. Can you wiggle my mouse real quick? Yeah. Completely unrelated to what y'all are listening here, but staying on the fairway is very important. 
And then uh, it was two years ago. You remember we were like he had like a, he had like a pretty sizable lead going into the last round, and and that was back when it was like it would have been unheard of for him to yeah. blow that lead. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, staying on the fairway is crucial. And the second thing is scramble rate. I think will be pretty important oh, out yeah. here because getting off the fairway is it bad? Yes, obviously. Scramble rate, stay stay on the fairway. It's literally a lot my first worse, one. Though. But if you're able to get off the fairway and save your par, pars out here are okay. Yeah. There's going to be opportunities for birdie. You're going to hit a fairway and have a shot at birdie. You just can't blow up. You have to make your worst, your worst score needs to be about a bogey. Yeah. And if you can, the more times you can end up off the fairway and end up still saving par, the better off it's going to be. Well, so scramble rate and uh, fairway hit percentage, I think are going to be two of the big ones to keep an eye on. This yeah. Week. I mean, winner came in at 25 under last year, which is not super high for a three round event, you know, so right around eight under Yeah. Um, for, for the hot round each time. So that, that's something to keep in note. FPO winner came in at one under par. Yeah. Year. So it is a scrappier type of course just because this is not a course where you're going to see somebody go bogey free for the whole event. It's not going to happen. It's no. impossible. No. Um, so you're going to see a lot of up and down. It's really going to be probably the players that are just keeping it in bounds that are going to do the best because you don't need to just go out there and tear it up. You, mm-hmm. you just have to, to take your birdies when you can and keep the disc in play. Um, so yeah, I, I expect to see something similar to that this year. Yeah. All right. So let's get into some predictions. Let's see what we can. Uh, let's see what we can do here. All right. Like I said, a little bit of a shot in the dark here. Uh, so I'm gonna just go with MPO prediction here first. I'm gonna go with third place. I'm taking Mr. Raptor Legs himself, Ricky Wysocki. Third place. My third place okay. pick there. Uh, second place. I'm sl- sliding in Chris Dickerson. His return. I think he's gonna be just fine. And then uh, first place. I'm going with Gannon Burr, taking it down. Mm, Gannon Burr. Okay, well, I've got the same people in a different order. I've got Gannon in third. I've got Chris in second, and I've got Ricky taking it down. I'm going to say that he gained um, 10% knee capabilities since since last week, and he's at okay. 100%. The Reds, I think the throwing out the first pitch of the Reds game was like the, the that last That might bit be of, the thing that, yeah. That was the last back. bit of morale to push him over the edge. So, um, yeah. That's that's gonna be my top three for MPO. I, it, Chris is it's tough to predict Chris, but you got to throw him in there. No, exactly. Well, I G- think Gannon's Chris becoming and, like my Chris favorite. and Ricky got to slide in there, and Gannon I think he's got the forehand. Ricky obviously has a forehand, but well, Gannon I think Gannon just doesn't finish outside the top ten. Yeah, he's been doing so. Solid so it's recently. like he's so that's where I'm feeling yeah. that. Uh, let's pull in Connor's votes here. Um, we've got Connor. Wow, Connor without even looking at this, Connor went Gannon third, Simon second, Ricky first. Simon's a sneaky one. He could. He I mean, Simon's got a hot hand. I don't know. At this course, not not really a forehand. He could do very well at this course. He, could. he, he has just, a very accurate. He does have a very accurate backhand. He hits lines. So yeah. he texted me. Who texted? What? Simon texted me, told me he was gonna win. Simon texted you. Yeah. According to Connor, Simon texted him. Definitely did not definitely happen. Definitely did not happen. Uh, but all right. And you also didn't pick him to win. Connor. Yeah, I didn't believe him. Oh. <laughs> so, according to Connor, Simon texted him, said he was going to win, and Connor's like, nah, I'll put you in second. Uh, we'll stick with Connor's uh, FPO picks here. He has Valerie Mandahano coming in third, Katrina Allen coming in second, and Paige Pierce taking it down. He believes in the bounce back for Paige. Mm, he does, does he? What about you? I've got Own in third. Um, I like her ability to keep the disc in play. I just don't know. I don't know if this course has too much distance for Own. She did all right last year. She did all right last year. She was top 10. Um, I got Paige in second. I'm going to go with Val Mandahano in first. Mm. I went Missy Gannon third. 
Okay. Don't tell, don't ask me why. She came in second last year. Oh, that's why then. Boom. I there's certain players I just look at their name and I'm like, mm. I think this player like for some reason I feel like Idlewild has someti- something to do with them. And then sometimes like they just didn't. They're not even signed up for the event. So like, yeah, like Anthony Brella. <laughs> yeah. I did get Connor Wendy's already. Is AB even at this event? I didn't pick him, so don't. It okay. doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, Missy Gannon, I have coming in third. Paige Pierce. I don't think she's going to bounce back, but I don't want to be the person who loses points when she does. Mm-hmm. So I put her in second. Respect. Valerie Mandahano, I think, can do very well out here. Yes. Uh, this definitely seems like a course I think she could perform well out, and she's been doing good this season. So yes. I've got Valerie Mandahano taking it down. Heck yeah. My dark horse pick for the week. I was surprised. I went back, and Anthony I don't Brella think he's. There. I don't think he's actually played this tournament. But for some reason, I just feel like this course is made for him. Mister Andrew Fish. I mean, for my dark horse pick. You know what though? I feel like Fish hasn't played super well this year because, like, usually doesn't he, matter. Usually when he shows up, he's sneaky good. I don't think he really showed up this year. I, have, I honestly events. didn't even look at his. I didn't look at anything. I saw him on the list and then realized he was outside the top fifty. And he it is was, again, It was though. one of those things where I was just like, "That feels right." He is registered, though. He is registered. Okay. I did check that. Um, I'm taking Luke Sampson. He came 21st at Waco. That's fine. Okay. 58th at Texas State, but that's not really his thing. Uh, 51st at Champions Cup. That one hurts. Yeah. And yeah, he hasn't played anything else big. Okay. So he hasn't really done He hasn't really done much notable. this year, but this is his turnaround point. Okay. I've got Luke Sampson. Uh, he played pretty well at this event last year. Um, so that's kind of what I'm going. I think, I believe he has a pretty nice forehand. So he does. Yeah, I'm going with Luke Sampson. And and Connor's pick, he's going back to Casey White. It Just was good for him true. recently. Tried he br- he's bringing it back. Uh, the points going into this weekend, Connor's at 47. I'm at 73 and Trevor's at 38. Going crushed. into this weekend. My goal is so. just be able to like chip away at Connor at this you're, point. You're getting crushed technically, but... But you're it, only nine points behind Connor. Yeah. And major and when another major comes around for double points. Like, European Open. We're two weeks away. We have three majors left. So it's Yeah, like, we're two weeks away from uh not, I'm not worried. Open, until so. I'm until I'm twenty back from the next place, then I'll be worried. All right. Well, that's the predictions for this weekend. The LWS open at Idlewild. Somewhat of a short preview. Um I think it's going to be a very, very fun event. Be sure to check it out. Obviously, you can watch it live on the Disc Golf Network. You can catch it live in the Metaverse on Sunday. And yeah. uh, obviously, Jomez, GK Pro, Gatekeeper, all those guys are going to be out there crushing the next day coverage of that year Cup of Tea as well. So be sure to tune in, and we'll be back here Monday to give you pretty much all the storylines from the event. We will be here, though. We will be here Monday. We will be here. That's we're going right. to do the grip lock here, then we're going to peace out. You're right. We will be here Monday. I we're going to... Do grip locked here Monday. Then we're going to head to Charleston next week. Creators Cup coming in hot. Very, very excited. The cup. You're not going to want to miss it. And you're not going to miss the Oddwald Open this weekend. We'll talk to you Monday. <laughs>